Hello and welcome to another episode of the Feminifesto podcast. Today, Keerthi and I are in conversation with Amy Ostriker, a PTSD peer-to-peer specialist and artist, author, writer, speaker for TEDx, health advocate, survivor, award-winning actress and playwright, who shares the lessons learned from trauma through her writing, mixed-media art, performance and inspirational speaking. Her work is rooted in an inspiration and is built to be eclectic. As the creator of The Gutless and Grateful, her one-woman autobiographical musical, she's toured theaters nationwide in the US along with the program combining mental health advocacy, sexual assault awareness, and Broadway theater for college campuses and international conferences. Her original full-length drama, Imprints, premiered at the NYC Producers Club in May 2016 and explored how trauma affects the family as well as the individual. To celebrate her own beautiful detour, Amy created the #LoveMyDetour campaign to help others cope in the face of unexpected events. Detourism is also the subject of her TEDx talk and her book My Beautiful Detour. Her story has appeared on NBC's Today, CBS, Cosmopolitan, among others. Hi Amy, thank you so much for joining us on the Family Festival podcast. We're so grateful to you for your time and uh, engagement with us today. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk to you. Likewise. So, let's get started with your story. Could you take us through your own story, your experiences and everything that's kind of brought you to who Amy Oz is today? Who I am today. Well, you know, I thought my life was pretty set out uh like most people do when they're a teenager. Um I was very into the arts and musical theater and so I was studying with a voice teacher that really became my mentor. Um and really um I felt like I could trust and then um when I was 17, you know, he started sexually abusing me. And this was so out of my, you know, realm of knowledge or experience or or anything that I just froze. I I couldn't recognize that at the time. But suddenly I just didn't you know, feel like myself anymore. I suddenly just became very numb, which is very unlike me because I was always a, I felt like a very spiritual person growing up and very in touch with my heart um, and and myself. Um, so I couldn't really put two and two together that someone who I had trusted had you know, betrayed me like this. Um, and so it didn't really sink in, um, until months and months later when it was still going on. And I finally told my mother the April of my senior year of high school. And, you know, before I really had a chance to recover from that and heal, um, I just had a very bad stomach ache that wasn't going away overnight. and it got worse and worse. And you know, I was 18. I just turned 18 years old. Um and my father took me to the emergency room. Um and it turns out that I had a blood clot um sitting on the, you know, mesenteric artery and I got infected. And if I got into the emergency room any later, I would have died. Um when surgeons cut into me, my stomach literally exploded. because there was so much internal pressure um and i was in a coma for a month uh when i woke up months later 
doctors told me that I didn't have the stomach anymore, which was completely crazy to me because, you know, I, in my last memory, I was just, you know, in a high school classroom. Um, and then they told me that I couldn't eat or drink and they didn't know when or, or even if uh, that could ever happen again. And so this was really like waking up in a new world. Um, and, you know, long story short, it turned into about six years um, unable to eat or drink anything and 27 surgeries um, before surgeons were able to uh, reconstruct the digestive system with whatever intestine I had left. Um, and so it was difficult uh, to say the least, but, you know, being creative as a kid, um, I carried that into my life, you know, after my coma and creativity was really my way uh, to, to heal. Um, you know, I toured a one woman musical about my life called Gutless and Grateful. Uh, I discovered mixed media art and became a visual artist. And um, I just published my memoir um, and it's called uh, My Beautiful Detour, uh, An Unthinkable Journey from Gutless to Grateful because uh, that's ultimately what I've realized this is. It, it really has been um, a beautiful detour because of everything I've learned about myself, um, about my path forward, and and about the world. So, um, yeah. <laughs> Miss Amy, thank you so much for sharing your story with us and our listeners. And we'd like to apologize unconditionally if this triggered you in any sort of way. I... Um, I Say that I I missed your last part. Sorry. No, I was just saying that we'd like to apologize unconditionally if this triggered you in any sort of way. Oh no, no. Well, one thing I've actually learned about triggers, um, which is very interesting, um, triggers are really kind of markers for us to show. Oh, you know, that's something that affects us in a you know, in a different way, I need to find a safe container to explore that further. Because I, I think, ultimately, I realized that I didn't want to live in a world bound by triggers anymore. I mean, you could say everything could be triggering for me. I mean, I couldn't have a sip of water for six years. But I really ultimately had to come to the point where I had to find ways to not only tell my mind, but tell my body, you know what, the trauma is then, and right now I am present, I am here. And it's very easy to say, uh, doing that was, that was the work, that was the recovery journey. And, you know, for the sexual assault, um, I had to be very numb when I couldn't eat, um, because I was just dealing with medical circumstances. Then once I finally could eat, I could feel again. And then all the triggers came loose of, oh, yes, this this brings us up triggers of being sexually abused. And again, I had to ask myself, do I want to live in a world contained by, you know, triggers? Or do I want to find healthy ways to kind of address those? And so, you know, triggers do exist, but but they don't always have to be there forever. And that's ultimately what I learned. That's such a positive and hopeful way of looking at it. Thank you for sharing that. 
your journey is yeah, and story you. is truly a, your journey and story are truly a testament to your resilience and courage so um we're really grateful that you put your story out there to inspire others to share as well what kept you going in the face of so much trauma and pain um a few things um one i think uh creativity i think you know you don't have to be an artist to learn how to think like an artist but just the the idea that i could create whatever path i was given even when the path i thought i was supposed to go on you know just kind of fell off the tracks um that's why you know art was such a helpful resource for me and you know, music reclaiming my voice um creating theater writing um i think that really gave me the message that you know what um if life doesn't go as i plan i can just you know make a new ending or make a new path forward so there's that you know it also helps to have a support system um i am very lucky that i have a really solid family um my three brothers have always been there for me and my parents um so i feel very lucky um in that respect um one of my brothers actually stayed in the icu for the months i was in a coma and he kept a journal of the first 72 days of my coma and excerpts of that are in my book but when i was healed he was so inspired by how the doctors saved my life that he decided to you know go to med school and become a doctor and now he's the chair of gun violence prevention at, at Northwell um so it shows how you know families can be affected too in positive ways so i definitely say um my support system cuz that was very helpful and then you know last i think my love of life i even when things were hard and i really hated every moment i always knew in my gut there was something that kept me here um maybe you know i always think of my grandmother who was a holocaust survivor who always had this resilient spirit and and this just joy and love of life i think that kept her going um i think i have the same thing that no matter what life has been i always knew that ultimately you know life the ability that we're here on this earth is a good thing and i i wanted to just keep that in whatever way i could that's incredibly powerful and it's just resilience in human form thank you so much for sharing that um so from from being your own resource in so many ways and from just like going back to what you said art and the whole sense of self faith driving you to becoming this resource person for other people where you work as a PTSD peer to peer specialist um can you can you tell us about your work in this space today and and what uh you encounter in the work that you do in the form of um peer to peer specialist work right well um what i what was the most helpful for me was initially understanding how trauma works first of all as a survivor myself that empowered me feeling like oh well, i'm not crazy this isn't like this weird spell that i don't know how to you know overcome i actually understand mechanically what has happened how my brain has become rewired in the face of trauma it, it's not something to be ashamed of it was actually you know freezing was a noble uh 
kind of survival instinct in order to stay alive because I love life so much. Um, but I also know how that feels to suddenly freeze and, and dissociate and have the symptoms of PTSD, the anxiety, the hypervigilance, the flashbacks. Um, so I've been there. So what I do in my work is I explain, you know, the symptoms as, listen, these are all just ways our energy has been frozen or immobilized. You know, I love, I love the book Waking the Tiger by Peter Levine, um, how he describes, you know, he observed animals in the wild. And when an animal, you know, when a gazelle is, um, you know, preyed upon, it just plays dead. And then when the threat is gone, it will just gallop and gallop and gallop for miles and discharge that immobilized frozen energy needed to survive. And it will keep running until that energy is freed again, and then it can move on to its life. So I think that's a really powerful example of when we're traumatized, all of these is just frozen energy. So how do we re find recovery? Well, we just find ways to take that frozen energy. It's still our energy, but we don't repress it. We don't, you know, numb it. We don't, you know, find maladapting coping mechanisms like, you know, alcohol or, you know, other, you know, social media. Anything can be a way to numb. But instead, we find creative, safe ways to be with that energy um, in a way that we can move it. And for me, you know, art was a big thing. Um, art was a way that I could really dip into those, you know, scary feelings I was feeling, like the fear and the anger, the sadness, the grief, um, and work through it until I could really discharge that energy in healthy ways, until I could speak it. Um, so I find that when I work with survivors of, of all types of trauma, when we're able to define that, you know, feeling that suddenly they're like not like themselves anymore as just immobilized energy and it's still theirs and they have ownership over it and they can, you know, transform that energy into something that can set them forward. Um, once they find out how they can do that, I think it's very empowering for them. Your hope and optimism is truly contagious, Miss Amy. Thank you so much for breaking the taboo and stigma around trauma. But can you tell us a little bit more about your work with PTSD? Why is it important for one to unpack and heal from, from PTSD? What's important is, you know, when PTSD happens, even, you know, the, the symptoms we create, you know, in PTSD, um, we've used that in trauma to get us through, which is important in order to help us survive. But once the trauma is over, PTSD keeps us in this survival box where all we know how to do is survive. And that's a very fearful and anxious state to live in. That even when the trauma is passed and you, you brought up triggers, um, we react to certain stimuli that might have been a threat in the past when the trauma had happened, but actually in the present is a very safe time. And so the most important part for a survivor after the trauma has passed is to find ways not only for the mind to understand, but the body. You know, trauma lives in the body. It's not just something you can intellectually, you know, understand and move through. 
when you finally let your body know that the trauma has passed and now is actually a safe time, that's the only way that those, you know, triggers will go away and those symptoms will go away. And you really tell yourself, you know, in your body, you're safe now by finding ways to be present, um, which is why, you know, somatic experiencing or like body-based therapies, those are very helpful in, um, in healing trauma. But you know, the whole point of trauma is you know, the body and mind become very disconnected. That's what dissociation is. And so you need to find you know, ways you know, through the breath. Um, yoga is a great um, thing for survivors too. You know, ways to integrate all the parts of your body that become uh, dissociated um, in PTSD. Thank you so much for sharing that, Amy. Um, as I listen to you speak, I have this um, there's this sort of a sensation that globally, almost every community in every part of the world is being affected by some kind of a trauma-inducing reality, whether that's the environment, that's a social situation, or for that matter, the politics um, specific to each region. But um, just kind of extrapolating from your story, where you used art to unpack trauma, um, can, can you kind of take our listeners through the effectiveness of art as a mechanism and perhaps if they could take something out of it to deal with traumas, that's challenging. That yes, definitely. Well, I think one of the biggest misconceptions is healing from something. We need to start talking about it. Um, ultimately, yes. But when trauma happens, you know, survivors don't process this as a linear chronological narrative. It doesn't even make sense to us. You know, trauma strikes us in, you know, pains of images, flashes, uh, sounds, sensations. And it doesn't always make sense. Um, so that's why we need expressive ways. And, you know, this, this story is still important for us to get out uh, when we keep it in and we repress those things. That's how maladaptive and coping mechanisms happen. That's how we get, you know, physical illness. Um, so we need to find some kind of expressive way to at least figure out the initial stages of what we're experiencing, even if it doesn't totally make sense to us. And the beautiful thing about art is it kind of bypasses our intellect, where we can really just work from our intuition and from our subconscious um, and work with parts of us that maybe haven't fully come to light. Um, but with art, we can start bringing those cells, you know, those pieces of us to light um, and see what they have to tell us. Um, and when I say art, you know, I'm not saying you have to paint a portrait. I certainly, listen, I've never really taken a formal art class in my life. It originally started by just taking, you know, a crayon and just moving it around to music until you know, it's amazing once your subconscious takes over and it really has a mind of its own and it, and it takes you where you need to go. It's a great way to really begin listening to yourself and what you really need and what really need, what you really need to get out. So even if it's as simple as taking a pen and just doodling without thinking, um, we need just simple ways to express ourselves that you can't really put into words yet um Vaish, are you there yeah yeah i'm so sorry my no wife just went off no worries no worries go for it go for it. Okay. 
<laughs> okay. Um, Miss Amy, it's so beautiful to note the healing power of art and creativity in the healing process. And you mentioned doodling and as an amateur doodler myself, I think I know the impact and I can completely empathize with you on how it can instantly calm me down. And I think Keefe can attest to this as well as a extremely uh, prolific doodler, if I can say so. So just to deviate slightly, as you mentioned earlier, you also have a book out on shelves called My Beautiful Detour. Can you please tell yes. us about the project and how it came about? Yes, well, uh, I got to say the good part about art is um, it took me 10 years before I could even put words to anything I've been through. But eventually, I a lot of words came and that's how I created my memoir. Um, but it, it was really a story that needed to be shared. So, yeah, I just published um, my memoir and I'm really excited about this because I shared aspects of my story in different respects. But I really wanted to put it from you know what it really was like um, from the be- very beginning, you know, growing up, having this betrayal, waking up um, from the hospital. I, you know, I have um, excerpts actually from all of my family members um, and their perspective because I think it's very important to show not only how trauma affected me, but you know, my family and the community. Um, not only in, you know, first, you know, devastating ways, but really how we all grew from it. Um, and that's what I'm very excited about, um, that it's actually, you know, for everything that happened to me, it's a really uplifting book because you see, you know, the difficult journey and the steps I needed to take, but more importantly, how I grew from it, how my family grew from it, and really how it um, enriched all of our lives. Um, so, you know, I'm very excited. You know, it goes all the way up through, um, you know, from when I was 15 to now I'm 32. And, you know, it hasn't been a ton of years, but I feel like I've lived 50 lifetimes. So um, I'm excited. I also share how I discovered all these creative resources. Like the first time I even discovered visual art was in the hospital um, really as a last resort and it really became something that really set me free. Um, So I hope that's also inspiring for anyone that needs to get stuff out that feels like, oh, I'm not an artist or anything because I wasn't really an artist either. Um, So, you know, I'm very excited to share the whole journey with people. Thank you so much for sharing that and for also putting your journey out there for other people. Um, as as um, both Vaishnavi and I have experienced in our work so far um, together and also in individual circles we're part of, just this process of telling one's story is um, so empowering for the one who tells it and for the one who receives it because it sets right. free. So thank you. Thank you for making all of that possible by showing up every day of your life, Amy, and for putting your story out there. It, it, it's, such a, it's, it's such an act of vulnerability to be able to present it. So thank you, truly. Um, thank you, that means a lot. Of course. Uh, so we're almost down to the end of the podcast. Uh, so I was gonna ask you if you could share any words of advice for our listeners or any thoughts you wanna leave them with. Well, I would really say that, you know, what I talk about in my first TED talk about detours is, you know, the nature of a detour is 
you know, or a trauma or anything is it, it takes you into another direction that you never anticipated going. And it's very shocking and it's frustrating and you kind of want to ask why me and it's easy to want to give up. Um, but that's where being, you know, present um, is really important. If we just take it one moment at a time and, you know, my book's called, you know, An Unthinkable Journey from Gutless to Grateful because I ultimately learned that if we're in each moment at a time and find just one small thing we're grateful for, whether it's tapping into one of our five senses and just feeling the air on us or, you know, something, you know, our feet on the ground, um, those are the little things that can get us through moment to moment because, you know, it's easy to think it gets better, but but we really have to feel that in our bodies to, to make it through um, until ultimately we reach that clearing. Um, you know, I think of, you know, how I would, you know, feel if someone told me that like seven years ago when I woke up from a coma and the doctors had just told me, oh, we don't know if you'll ever eat again. And I would have wanted to like throw something at them. But you know what? Like now when I'm, you know, comfortable and eating and drinking, I think to myself, you know, I'm so glad I hung in there. So I think that's my message. Miss Amy, we can't thank you enough for joining us on the Feminifesto podcast today. Your experiences, your journey, and your story are powerful testaments, not only to your courage and resilience, but also the importance of solidarity and talking about our struggles and pain yes. in order to destigmatize trauma itself. So thank you very much, and we're very, very grateful to you. Well, thank you for having me. This was really nice, and thank you for your questions. Thank you so much. Amy, thank you.